You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Salesloft, your weekly dose of sales fun where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. Welcome, one and all, to the penultimate episode of the series. What? Can you believe it? Where does the time go? Very special episode this week. I thought it would be a good idea to look back at a common theme that has popped up many a time on this series, which is preparation. I've interviewed nearly 50 sales leaders for this podcast, and it's been a common theme. So many guests have talked about the importance of preparation, whether it's cold calling, negotiating, forecasting, even mental well-being, they're all affected if we don't physically and mentally prepare. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, that's what they say. And I think preparation is the most important P in sales. But before we hear from some of my no-nonsense sales guests from the series, let's see what you had to say on LinkedIn. Okay, I asked you, what's the most important P in sales? Let's go through the best and worst of these. Sarah Schmidt said, pizza. (laughs) How else would you motivate the sales team? I like that one. Deepak Vadera says, passion. If you want to make it big, you've got to be passionate about wanting to help people and enjoy yourself whilst doing so. Love that. Kevin Richards says, positivity. Ola Papazuk says, patience. Thomas Jordan, paracetamol. (laughs) Definitely. Ryan Benevoir says, price, obviously. Sean Ball's gone for pipeline. And Colin Derbyshire, the most important P in sales the one before a 45-minute demo. All right, Colin, I'll do the jokes. If you'd like to join in on the action, follow us on LinkedIn for more no-nonsense sales. Right, let's get some guests on. We're taking a look back at when preparation has popped up on the show. Let's start with Naraj Kapoor and what he had to say about preparing the mind. A lot of it is, is simple. You're going to get the simple basics thing, right? People are always looking for magic nuggets. They're always looking for golden solutions. You know, it's like, um, okay, if you go onto any social media platform and you see a personal trainer, just say there's two personal trainers, and one person says, you can eat as much as you want, and I'll help you lose weight. And the second one will say, look, it's going to be really difficult. It'll take you months. You're really going to struggle and suffer. It's going to be hard work. And you might even put on weight at the beginning, but you know what? Eventually, there'll be a solution. Which one do people choose? They will choose an idiot that says, I will help you lose weight eating is because people want easy solutions. That's mm. the problem. Um, but a lot of the times, it's just the simple things. So in, in the world of constant distraction, here's what you do. My phone is currently switched off. Um, and my emails are switched off because my focus is on you. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, when I work with people, I'm not checking my phone. There's never any buzzing taking place because you you have to turn your phone off at least two or three times a day or at least put it in airplane mode. Uh, whenever my email is open, I respond to one email at a time. I do not have 10 emails open. When I'm on the internet, I have one browser open at a time. I never have several browsers open. These simple things make a monumental difference long-term because you know before lockdown, I think one in five people had mental health challenges. During lockdown, it was two out of three. Since Mm -hmm. lockdown, it's now three out of five people because of the pressure of life and the pressure of being on Zoom or Teams all day long. So you have to make these simple little efforts. They make a massive difference long term. And people don't see that because turning your phone off is not sexy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
it's it's not romantic. It's not awesome. You're not going to be crushing her or 10xing it. You're turning her damn phone off. But it's so important to do to help you focus. And you've got to take care of your mental health and mindset because if that's not right, you are going to make less sales and it is going to affect you in business. That's just a fact. Next up, we're heading back to when I caught up with Leslie Vanets. I asked her the two things that sellers can do to be better prepared for sales conversations. Here's what she said. Um, I would do two things to start. One would be an incredible clarity about your ideal customer profile, your ICP. Um, and I don't always think that this is something that sales people and even sales leaders think is like their responsibility to really nail, like it's something the leader or the strategic leaders do. But even as a seller, I suggest that you look at your territory and you don't think, okay, here's everybody I can sell to. You think, you know, let's say your territory is 500 accounts, go through them and be like, who do you enjoy selling to the most? Like for instance, I really sell well into the finance space. So like I had a Northeast territory, it was predominantly pharma and finance. I was way stronger in finance. So I prioritized my outreach to finance accounts. Um, so figure out for you who you like to sell to in this current market, who is most likely to buy, buy now, buy at full price, renew later. Like, I, you know, I, I think that there's a responsibility for the organization, of course, to create an ICP, but even with your territory, you can own a little bit of, of that and how you manage it. And then the second thing I would do is a value prop workshop. And again, I like, I think this is important at an organizational level, but reps, like do this workshop yourself because a lot of the language that you're getting, unfortunately, is being given to you by people that like maybe not on the phone with the customers that much. And you as that SDR, AE, ISR, whatever, that frontline seller, you're talking to customers all day long. So you have this really unique insight into the challenge is not just the people that say yes, but people that say no, and the language that they're using to describe um, the, you know, the, the environment that they're in. Um, so take that opportunity to ask them questions, to like get curious, even if they're not going to buy, use that opportunity to, to learn more about what's happening in their world so that you can create like you can turn that language around and then use it to sell in the future. So ICP workshop, value prop workshop. Great stuff from Leslie. Next up, Nick Sazelski gave a really great tip on how he immersed himself in the world of his buyer. Listen to what Nick says here. It's brilliant. I was selling accounting software to law firms. Tom, when I told people that's what I sold at parties, people looked at me like I was selling drying paints because it sounds like the most boring thing in the world. And it is on the surface. But if you actually dig into the nuances of how a law firm operates and their different accounting methodologies and the really complex, complicated data conversions from one accounting system to another and the way that that impacts a law firm's business, there's a lot to learn there. And I would trounce my competition, not because I had better discovery skills or because I showed the best demo, but because I decided that I was going to spend an hour a week joining a law firm CFO webinar or listening to a law firm technology podcast. And when you understand your customer and their problems, the discovery comes naturally. It's easy because you know their world. You don't have to have these 
weird pain funnels because you you just you know the next natural question to ask because you know your customer. So that's my number one recommendation is stop fixating on what it takes to be a successful salesperson and fixate on what it takes to be a successful insert your customer persona here. Love that so much. Okay, we've now got Marcus Olds on forecasting calls on how to give clarity in the dreaded forecasting call. We're all scared of them. Um, so I asked Marcus, how can sellers go into these calls better prepared and have less anxiety? A lot of people go into forecast calls believing it's the time to talk through the data. Mm -hmm. The forecast call isn't about talking through the data. The forecast is about giving clarity and the story behind it. And so when, so when we start thinking about pipeline visibility, it's about can I see the story you're telling me in the data and does it support it? Mm -hmm. And so we need to have that, that, that overview of what are the key metrics, what are the underlying metrics, how is that trended? And then you can start to tell the story. As soon as you start to tell the story, I think that actually you removed a lot of the anxiety around your forecast because it's good for a reason, it's bad for a reason, and you know exactly how you're going to get there. Like, where are we? Where are we going to be? How are we going to get there? And does the does the data support that? And that's true pipeline visibility. It's when you walk into a forecast and nothing's there. That's when it's a complete mess. <laughs> so when we say nothing's there, that might be someone making up a number, which we know happens, right? That might be someone filling in a lot of the blanks on their own, which we, we know happens. Now, of course, without turning this into a sales loft uh, advert, we can certainly help with filling in a lot of those blanks. But I think reps are happier, right, if they're more confident in their forecast. Surely that anxiety is, is drained away when they can, as you said, proudly tell a story of how they're going to get to their number. Yeah, I also think it's the managers making sure they the the rep knows how they're going to use that information, why they're going to use that information. This this idea of a there's an adversary between you and your manager about a forecast is is ludicrous. You know, you have to be thinking about how we all going to get there. And so, yeah, you're right. Um, it is about being able to tell a story in data, but being able to look through that and inspect it and inspected at pace because no one also wants to sit around doing a forecast call for like four hours. You know, we can do an entire team's forecast in about an hour and we can go deep into the business because we know that the information is there and we've tracked it. Um, and as a result, it's not, we hopefully it's not as anxiety risen as some other companies I worked at. And finally, I spoke to Galem Gamay about how being part of a community can help us better prepare our minds for selling is what she said. Uh, I believe any community that salespeople are a part of, I believe it's about that warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you're surrounded by people who are similar to yourself. They're going, not saying that the background has to be the same or the experiences has to be the exact same, but just knowing that we're basically in the same boat going in a similar direction and we can help each other get there. And just feeling, I believe, seen and heard from other people who are similar to yourself. Um, it's, it's almost thinking about, you know, how likely would you be, Tom, as an example, you have two kids, right, to be in an environment where you're not with anyone who have any kids, and you specifically have a challenge around this topic, right, of being a father, it might be something in particular, you're not going to feel as comfortable, warm and fussy being in that position in that conversation, 
for a particular challenge that you're facing if other people can't resonate with that. And I think that is the reason why people gravitate towards communities and these niches is that they can find other people similar to themselves with the similar, if not the same challenges. And they know that other people have been there before and they can help them solve that challenge. That's it for this week's episode. We normally close with a song, but it's been a compilation show. So I thought instead I'd just pick my favourite cover. Everyone knows about it. From the Queen of England to the Hounds of Hell. And if I catch you coming back my way, I'm gonna serve it to you. And that ain't what you want to hear, but that's what I'll do. That was a cover of The White Stripes from episode 33 of No Nonsense Sales, where I interviewed Steve Watt, and he got me to cover that song. And yes, I did my own bum bum bums. Thank you very much. That rounds up the penultimate episode of series two of No Nonsense Sales. Don't forget, as always, to subscribe to the show on Spotify or on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on LinkedIn and I will see you next week. All being well for the series finale. It's going to be a good one. Thanks so much for listening.